0: Our scripture passage this evening is Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. It can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1859. For context, I'm going to read uh, Titus 3, verses 3 through 8. And... uh, This is a letter written by Paul to Titus, instructing him on how to order the church. And Paul had these words of instruction for Titus. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by His grace... We might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Thus, far, the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. With our sermon this evening as well, We have, accompanying the scriptural text, Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 26 and 27. It can be found in the back of your green Psalter hymnals on page 33, starting on page 33. This is the teaching and instruction of the catechism to the church on the sacrament of baptism. How does baptism remind you and assure you that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross is for you personally? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and his spirit wash away my soul's impurity. In other words, all my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means that God, by grace, has forgiven my sins because of Christ's blood poured out for me in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with Christ's spirit means that the Holy Spirit has renewed me and set me apart to be a member of Christ so that more and more I become dead to sin and increasingly live a holy and blameless life. Where does Christ promise that we are washed with his blood and spirit? as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism. In the institution of baptism where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. This promise is repeated when Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins. Does this outward washing with water itself wash away sins? No, only Jesus Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit cleanse us from all sins. Why then does the Holy Spirit call baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins? God has good reason for these words. He wants to teach us that the blood and spirit of Christ wash away sins just as water washes away dirt from our bodies. But more important, he wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that the washing away of our sins spiritually is as real as physical washing with water. Should infants too be baptized? Yes, infants as well as adults are in God's covenant and are his people. They, no less than adults, are promised the forgiveness of sin through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit who produces faith. Therefore, by baptism, the mark of the covenant, infants should be received into the Christian church and should be distinguished from the children of unbelievers. This was done in the Old Testament by circumcision, which was replaced in the New Testament by baptism. That's the teaching of the catechism. I remember very clearly, a day in which I was struggling with my newfound convictions. I was not raised in the Christian Reformed Church. I did not get catechized in the Christian Reformed Sunday school classes. But I was a pastor. And I was reading the scriptures and I was beginning to think that what I had been taught and what I had believed was not what the Scriptures taught. And I was really struggling with it because I thought to myself, if I believe that this is what the Scriptures teach, there goes my paycheck. Right? But I... I felt the Lord leading me. But the one thing which I was still holding on to was my old traditional belief of baptism. And I sat on the phone in a parking lot of a Lutheran church on the phone with Reverend Jeff DeBoer from Mid-America Reformed Seminary. And I said, Jeff, I'm just trying to figure out this baptism thing. And he said something to me that I will always remember. He will say, Carrie... This is what you need to understand. Baptism is not about what you do towards God. It's about what God does toward you. And it was like the light bulb went on. Because I think there is a certain version or a certain strain of American Christianity that's pull yourself up by your bootstraps, do things harder, do things better, get yourself together. Christ is there to help you, but he's not going to do it all. And I think we kind of bring that into our view on baptism and we say, well, no, you know, baptism is a testimony of my faith towards God. It's not about God's graciousness and covenant keeping towards us. And it was a life changer, because the scriptures just opened up after that, and things changed. But I want to make something very, very clear tonight. If you all laughed and you thought to yourself, "What was that sermon about?" It was about baptism. I think I would have failed. Because baptism is nothing without Christ. And I think the, the catechism, the teaching of the catechism, the teaching of the scriptures are very clear on this. If Christ's perfect atoning and sufficient sacrifice upon the cross had not happened, then baptism would be meaningless. So when you leave tonight, I hope that what you hear is this sermon is about was about Jesus Christ and His perfect atoning work upon the cross. And because it's about Jesus Christ, that's why baptism is meaningful. That's why baptism communicates all that it communicates, it's because Christ, our faithful Savior, is our only comfort in life and in death. Maybe many of you are here tonight, and you're wondering, "What's this Catechism stuff? What are we talking about?" It's been a long tradition in, in in our churches that we do something called preach the Catechism at night. Essentially, what that is is we're not replacing the Word of God with the Catechism and saying, "Well, we don't like the Word of God as much as we like our little, you know, creeds and confessions and catechisms." The point of going through the catechism in the evening service is always to show the people of God and the members of this church the word of God as summarized in the teaching of the catechism. And so that when you go to the catechism, you can say to yourself, this is where the catechism writers found this teaching in Scripture. The Scriptures are The teaching of the catechism. The catechism are the teaching of the scriptures. And I hope as we go through this this evening, you'll see exactly what I mean by that. Our theme this evening is very simple. Baptism is a sign and seal of the forgiveness of sins and the renewal of the Holy Spirit or regeneration of the Holy Spirit. This is very specific language, sign and seal is something that we've discussed already in here when we went over Lord's Day 25 in the Catechism, which talks about that language, that sacramental language of sign and seal. But we'll, we'll work through it as well. And there's two things mainly that are being communicated by baptism, by the sacrament of baptism. And that is the washing away of our sins and the renewing or the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit, and I want to do. Uh, I want to look at two things tonight as we're going through the scriptures and as we're going through the catechism. I want to look at the inward reality that is being communicated uh, by by baptism, and then the outward reality that is occurring in baptism. And this is this is something that I I want us to help to help us see, and that is this: there is a danger in emphasizing the inward reality. Over the outward reality. And then there's a danger in emphasizing the outward reality over the inward reality. And then my thrust is going to be to show you that the Reformed view of the sacrament of baptism is the one that keeps those the right balance. And it's the same way as we talked about the Lord's Supper. So let's get into it. First is the inward reality. If you look at Lord's Day 26, you will know something very interesting about the question. How does baptism remind you and assure you that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross is for you personally? You'll you'll understand one thing first, that baptism is communicating to you the effective and sufficient work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Baptism is not an added plus or an added work to Christ's work on the cross. It points to that. It points to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That is what it's signifying and sealing to us. That Christ died on the cross for your sins, and that if you have true faith and you believe in him, all of your sins have been forgiven. But the interesting thing about baptism is that in God's grace, And his understanding of our weakness and our frailty, he wants us to know that this is, that Christ is for us personally, individually. He wants us to know that this is for us personally. And the answer is, in this way, Christ instituted this outward washing. There you have that outward reality language, right? And with it, gave the promise. That as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, that's the outward reality that is occurring in baptism. Water is being applied to the person, right? So certainly his blood and his spirit wash away my soul's impurity. In other words, all my sins. There's the inward reality. His blood and his spirit wash away my soul's impurity. In other words, all my My sins. That is the inward reality of being washed with Christ's blood and being washed with Christ's spirit. And it gets into a little bit more detail as we continue on here in question 70. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? The catechism question is very understandable. You are confusing me here. What is this inward reality going on? How exactly does it mean that I'm being washed with Christ's blood? Imagine for yourself if you had never been into a Christian church, never had any of the Bible told to you, and you walked in and you, said, and you heard me say, tonight we are going to be washing this little girl in Christ's blood. You'd be a little taken back by that, right? You'd wonder what exactly is being discussed here. Just like in the early days, the early Christians had some rumors going around. They're brothers and sisters and they're giving each other holy kisses or they're eating the flesh and blood of their Savior. This is confusing stuff for people who don't know the lingo, so to speak. The Christian lingo. So for the sake of our instruction, we are asking What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means that God, by grace, by grace, has forgiven my sins because of Christ's blood poured out for me in His sacrifice on the cross. That's what it means to be washed with Christ's blood. It means that when Christ came and lived upon this earth a perfect, sinless life, when He suffered on our behalf... On the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For in that moment he who had no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That in that moment when Christ said it is finished that not a drop of Christ's blood was wasted. That every single one of everyone who would believe in Jesus Christ, every single one of their sins was washed in that moment. Washed. Do you understand the weight of that reality? Do you understand that when Christ accomplished it, it was done, And so that what we're seeing here in the act of baptism is a, a seal, a sign, it is an assurance to the person who receives baptism that Christ has finished it, that it's done. To rest in his work. Now you understand why baptism is God's grace toward us, not us showing our faith to him. That's what it means to be washed with Christ's blood. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's spirit? The answer continues, to be washed with Christ's spirit means that the Holy Spirit has renewed me and set me apart to be a member of Christ, so that more and more I become dead to sin and increasingly live a holy and blameless life. Now, up to this point, you might be thinking, all of these answers are assuming a person who is a believer, and you're right, because... The person who is answering these questions is the comforted believer of Lord's Day 1 who said, my only comfort in life and death is that my faithful Savior Jesus Christ has completely forgiven me of all my sins. That's who's answering these questions. Someone who has true faith given to them by the Holy Spirit is answering these questions. And what they're saying is, I can know that Christ's death and resurrection is personally for me. Because when I was baptized, whether it was that my parents presented me for baptism, or whether it was I made profession of faith as an adult and was baptized, that when that water hit me, it was God saying, Christ is for you. His blood for you. His spirit for you. In baptism, we are being told that Christ came to justify, right? The washing away of our sins is our justification that we are made right with God now. That we are in the family of God, children of God, adopted into the family of God. And it's communicating to us sanctification as well. These are the inward realities being communicated to us in baptism, that we are justified because the blood of Christ has washed away all of our sins, and that we are now being sanctified because the renewing work of the Holy Spirit is being signed and sealed to us in baptism, and that we are set apart as members of Christ, and that more and more we are calling after God to become dead to sin and to increasingly live holy and blameless life, being sanctified. We're growing in godliness and holiness and our baptism is part of that. It's a reminder of that. People of God how often do you consider your baptism? How often do you consider the grace of God to you in your baptism in times of difficulty and trials and temptations? times when you fall and the accuser seeks to remind you that you are a sinner and you say to him, I have been baptized and all of my sins have been washed away and the Holy Spirit has been given to me and is renewing me. That I may grow in godliness and I may more and more die to sin. I encourage you to do that. Even though baptism is a, a one-time event, different than the Lord's Supper is, right? It is still continually effective for us throughout all of our life. That's why the Westminster Confession of Faith can say that we should improve upon our baptisms. The inward reality of the washing away of, the, uh, of our sins by the blood of Christ and the uh, washing with Christ's Spirit, the renewal of that's the inward reality of baptism. And question 71 is simply a scriptural proof for this. It, it quotes the institution of baptism, which we also call the Great Commission, given to the apostles to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it also mentions that this promise is repeated when Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins. Now, this is where our scriptural text comes in. Because that statement, the washing of regeneration, is a uh, quotation from Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. He saved us through the washing, the NIV says, of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. That can also be translated as the washing of regeneration. Now, In the tradition that I used to be in, they would have pointed to this scripture as a uh, scriptural proof for their belief about baptism. Their belief about baptism was that baptism by immersion as a believer is when you are forgiven of your sins and when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they would have said, look, Titus chapter 3 verse 5 calls baptism the washing of regeneration. Doesn't that mean something? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 5 says, Baptism now saves you. Doesn't that mean something? And I believe if we're going to be biblical Christians, if we're going to be scriptural Christians, that does have to mean something. We can't simply toss those words out. We have to deal with them. We have to come to terms with them. And the way that the Reformed tradition has interpreted and understand, understood these as that the sacraments are so closely tied to the reality that's being pictured in it, that it's mysterious. That's what sacrament means. There's a mysterious union. Last Sunday, I came up here, and I cried because I was considering the beauty of the Lord's Supper. The fact that spiritually, at the Lord's Supper, it is like Christ is inviting us into the throne room and presenting us with a meal, and we sit before him as he serves us. It's not simply a memorial. It's not simply a reminder that there's something deeper and more spiritual going on. The same is true of baptism. The same is true of baptism. How are we meant to understand this language of the washing of regeneration? And even we are told in Acts that Paul was told to get up and be baptized and wash away your sins. The tradition I was in before said That means that baptism is when you are regenerated, when you're born again. But that means we have to throw justification by faith alone out the door, right? That's the issue. This is where I was torn. This is where I was having the conversation with Reverend DeBoer on the phone. This is where I was saying, I don't get it. I need help with this. This is where we go into Lord's Day 27. Does this outward washing with water itself wash away sins? No, only Jesus Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit cleanses from all sins. This is telling us of the danger of focusing specifically on the external, right? And you have to understand the context, the historical context of the catechism was trying to help people understand how their beliefs were different than the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that by the working, it is worked. What does that mean? That within baptism itself, it has its own power to communicate or to give forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. It gives grace by itself, disconnected from its reality in Christ's atoning work. By the working of his work. Does the outward washing with water itself wash away sins? No. Only Jesus Christ. The point is to point back to the perfect work. And complete a work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Why then does the Holy Spirit call baptism. That is the Holy Spirit who inspired scripture. The washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins. That's the ticket. We have to figure that out. What's this mean? This strong language in scriptures about the efficacy, the effect, the power of baptism, what does it mean? The answer here is God has good reason for these words. He wants to teach us that the blood and spirit of Christ wash away our sins just as water washes away dirt from our bodies. But more important, he wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that the washing away of our sins spiritually is as real as physical washing with water. What is this answer? This answer is showing us that there's a sign to teach us, right? A sign points to something. A sign tells us something. And that there's a seal, an assurance that just as we have the waters of baptism applied to us, we can be assured that God has promised us what is communicated in the baptism, The outward reality, what is it? It's that here in a moment, this little girl is going to come up here and she's going to have water placed on her forehead. It's water. Someone told me that the, the baptismal font fell over when they were moving furniture around, and I said, it's just furniture. Don't worry about it. But what is being communicated In baptism is that if Rebecca believes in Jesus Christ and shows herself to be one that Christ has died for, that the washing away of sins that was pictured to her and the washing of the water that was placed upon her and the renewal of the Holy Spirit that was pictured to her and promised to her, in baptism, will be hers. Will be hers. Of course, the last question and answer is about this. There's been a lot of debate over the years about infant baptism, whether we should do it, whether we shouldn't do it. You can read plenty of books, lots of debates. But here at this church, we believe and confess that God is a covenant God who has always been a covenant God, and He is told from the beginning that I will be a God to you and to your children. Therefore, we believe that not only does baptism sign and seal the promises of the forgiveness of sins and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, but it has an added outer reality. And that is that it separates, sets apart as holy, the children of believers as Christians. Because we believe that, one, not only can God save children, and God does save children, but that we raise our children as Christians. We tell our children to pray to their God to believe in Jesus Christ as their faithful Savior, their only comfort in life and death. And we don't think we're being inconsistent when we do that. We believe that we are showing that God has continued to promise us and our children that He will be our God. Therefore, by baptism, the mark of the covenant, infants are received into the Christian church And distinguished from the children of unbelievers. And this was done in the Old Testament by circumcision, which was replaced in the New Testament by baptism. I hope what you're hearing tonight is this not a bunch of technical language, not a bunch of theological terms, but this that if you have been baptized and you are a believer, That God has been gracious to you. To not only give you His Son, Jesus Christ, and all of His perfect, sacrificial, atoning work, but to also give you a physical, visible reality of that perfect work. I hope that what you're hearing is that just as your baptism was water being washed upon you, so too can you say personally that Christ's blood was spilt for you and that the Holy Spirit was given to you. If you're not baptized, but you are a believer, I hope tonight you hear that you're missing out on something. That you are called commanded by God and by Christ to be baptized as an expression, a reality of God's grace to you, a means of grace to you. And I hope if you're here tonight and you're going to witness this infant baptism, that you would know that it's not superstition, it's not mere tradition that we truly believe that whether one believes and is baptized or is baptized and believes, that God's grace is extended to our children in baptism and that we believe that they are members of the church and therefore should receive the covenant sign of the church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for these words and your faithfulness to us. We thank you that you have given us baptism. We pray, Lord, that we would continue to consider our baptisms and your grace to us in them. That we would continue to consider your grace toward us In your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins and was raised three days later and now sits at your right hand. We love you, Lord. We pray that by your Spirit we would come to love you all the more as we grow in godliness and holiness. May you keep for us always the forgiveness of our sins in the blood of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.